Blog Talk Radio. for this 
opportunity, for all you let us do, for all you are. We thank you so much for sending your son to die for our sins so that we would have a way to heaven, and that's through him. And we ask you to watch over our soldiers, their families at home especially, and all of our military of all types, police, everyone that runs toward the danger when we're running away from it. And we thank you for all you do for us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. And let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media, your website, and uh, anything else you want to throw out there, Reverend. The number where they can contact you at. They can call me anytime at 951-232-7630. My webpage is ontrackwithjesus.org, which has my phone numbers and such on it. And um, my email is ontrackwithjesus at AOL.com. And you can follow me on Facebook at Rev Joe Bubbico. And um, I don't know how any of that stuff works. I know I'm on Twitter, but I still haven't figured that out completely. I still got to call you. Whenever all this stuff settles down with your procedure and we get some slack time, I'll call you and we'll sort of talk through some little bit of Twitter stuff, Reverend Joe. We'll have to do that. And I appreciate it. All right, I sure will, Reverend. And again, uh, we will be checking on you and uh, praying for you on your procedure and everything. And you and Miss Betty be safe riding just that little short distance as part of Fontana. Yeah, those are the ones that get you in the most trouble. You're exactly right. You're exactly right, Reverend. God bless you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Reverend. We'll have a little time to do a wrap up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will. Y'all be y'all be safe, and we'll talk at you next weekend. All right, God bless. Folks, that was Reverend Joe, the official reverend of the pit stop. Uh, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen, just right outside of Richmond International Raceway up there in the Commonwealth. Uh, coming on tonight shortly, uh, we have uh, from MRN Radio, Mr. Woody Kane. And also coming up uh, just a little bit before the bottom of the hour, we have driver of the number 72, uh, TriStar Chevrolet. Number 72 Chevy for TriStar Chevrolet, Mr. Corley Joy. And let's go ahead, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring a – let me find a button for, for Stephen. We hadn't we – hadn't, Stephen's a little bit under the weather tonight, y'all. He's already texted me and told me he's, he's – the pollen's getting to him, but Stephen's going to do his best. We're going to bring Stephen on right here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Stephen Wilson, how you doing tonight? I know you said you couldn't talk much. You congested up with all that pollen, but how you feeling, son? Well, I'm making it through, and uh, it's another day. You know, it's starting to get springtime up here, so all that nasty crud and everything floating through the air, and then we had some snow last night. Yeah, it just doesn't help out, you know. <clears throat> yeah, that's like it. That's like it is down here in the south too. So, you know, I'm a little bit a little bit further south than you. You know, uh, only in Alabama you can wake up one morning in the in the spring and you got the heat on, and by the afternoon you got the AC on. It's just like, and I'm I'm getting a little bit stopped up myself. But bless Suzanne's heart, she's been she's been going through it for about two weeks now, and hacking and coughing and sneezing. But I've been really lucky. Mine just I get a little scratchy throat every now and then and sneeze a little bit, and I I just go right on. But uh, this is 
this is the third northeaster coming up your way, Stephen. I know you're not completely up there where everything got really bad, but you got the tail end of the wraparound, didn't you? Yeah, we had a little bit come through last night. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, we had some snow, some sleet, some rain, wind. We had all kinds of crazy stuff going on here. You know, that's some weather living up here, you know. If you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. It'll change. Amen. Exactly right, Steve. And like I said earlier, the number to call in is uh, 215-383-3681. 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spang, live from Talladega, Stephen Wilson, com. just right outside of Richmond International Raceway up there. And like I said, coming on here shortly, we've had uh, – we got what I call him Mr. NASCAR, Mr. Woody Kane from MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR. And coming up at the bottom of our, we have Corey Joy. Corey's driving a uh, he's driving a limited schedule, swapping the seats out with Cole Whit. Uh, we got to interview Cole Whit in it in Atlanta, and you know Corey drove the uh, the Daytona 500. Of course, he drove this past weekend also, and we're going to see what all he has to what all he has to talk about. I, I especially want to talk Stephen to him about what it is sharing a seat with a driver. There's a lot of our listeners probably don't know. And Stephen, I don't, you know, I know I don't want you talking too much because you got that hacking going on. But uh, you have different bills, and you have what we call, I'm on call, LaJoy seating out. Uh, you can get a custom seat built by LaJoy seating that, that, that fits to the contour of your body. And whenever you have two drivers sharing the same vehicle, and I'm sure both drivers have different driving styles, it's it's probably a pretty good chore swapping all that stuff in, in, in and out, Steve. Yeah, there's multiple parts and pieces that get moved in and out of these cars, and you know they, you know that's why we have interior specialists these days. You know, we never had any of that kinds of stuff back in like the seventies and even eighties and stuff like that. You know, but now we have interior specialists that set the cockpit up for the driver in, in in the shop and then they come to the racetrack and they prep the cockpit, they prep, prep the seat, they prep all the gauges the, the, you know, just exactly how that driver wants it and every driver is totally different. Some drivers like to sit up on top of the wheel, some like to be farther back from the wheel there's all kinds of things that go in and out of these these cockpits these days and these interior specialists that put this together on top of the people building the car um, is just, you know, it, it's just that one added layer that, um, you know, every driver has started adding in or teams have started adding in over the years um, to really just get that comfort, comfortable feeling being inside of that race car. Yeah, and Stephen, let's go ahead and let you let you cool you cool your little whistle down a little bit. Let's go ahead and bring on uh I call him Mr. NASCAR. Uh from MRN Radio Pit Report. He does a lot a lot for MRN and I, I don't even know what all Woody does. I don't know I, I see him in the pits a lot, but <laughs> I wanna thank Woody Kane. Let's go ahead and bring Woody Kane into the pit stop. Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen Welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble. Ladies 
Woody Kane in the house. How you doing tonight, Woody? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. And I know last time we had you on, we we played that song you said you thought was going to fight or something. Woody, I'm too old for that. Too old and broke up. Yeah, let's don't do that. No. <laughs> uh, folks, the number to call in is 215-383-3631. I'm Tim Spain, live here right outside of Talladega Super Speedway. Stephen Wilson, uh, live uh, right outside of Richmond National Raceway up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Woody, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, to let everybody know we've got uh, driver the number 72 Chevrolet for uh, TriStar Motorsports, Coyle George, coming on here at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to ask him some questions and stuff. I know I want to talk about the uh, about two drivers sharing a uh, sharing a car in but Woody, real quick, I want to get your take on Kevin Harvick and uh, Stuart Haas Racing. They've won three in a row and could possibly win four in a row going to Fontana this weekend. They really could. They're on fire, and uh, it really seems like they've come out of the gate strong. And remember, last year was the first when they had switched over to the Ford, so there were certainly some growing pains there, and that move got made late in the in the process, and they had to wait until the end of the calendar year to start really switching over because of contractual obligations that they had. And they were good, but not as good as we have seen them in the past, and now they have come out of the gate very strong this year and boy they uh they they seem unstoppable at the moment but i think every time we start to think that about anybody something happens or they get tripped up or anything can happen at any moment but right now they have it going on for sure exactly what they do you know you and i've seen seen kevin win over here over here in the atl also and uh what do i i'm going down i'm gonna let steven have you shortly but uh Speaking about Atlanta, Stephen and I, we have talked about it on a couple of shows prior, and uh, we hadn't really talked about it with Ed Clark. But as uh, far as the Atlanta race following the Daytona 500, Stephen brought up a good point. But, you know, good points and everything don't work in NASCAR because you got logistics, you got sponsorship, you got everything else that you have to take up. But Stephen brought up maybe moving the Atlanta race back after the West Coast swing, and we might get a little bit of better weather but we've had pretty good weather lately we just had that rain this past this past race what do you think about that well they've tried to move it around to different different times and different spots on the calendar over the years and there's just there's just nothing you can do i mean a year out or however many years out you want to try and predict you can't predict rain that far and typically it's it's it, you would think in the south at that point it would be the weather would be okay but They've just had some bad luck with it, and they really did a good job of getting it in. I, I didn't think they were going to be able to get that race in that Sunday at Atlanta, but a lot of hard work and a break in the weather. It was right on the edge of the track all afternoon long, but it stayed just far enough to the west for them to get that thing in. And as we were gathering in victory lane afterwards, you could start to feel some sprinkles. They just made it. But I don't know that, that moving it again is going to make that much difference. I mean, supposing you move it to a date you think is going to be great and then next thing you know you get rain on that date too who who can predict that that far out i I just don't think it can be done yeah and also woody we've probably beat beaten a dead dog to death but we have talked about also about the about the repaving of atlanta motor speedway ed clark you know a couple of years ago they were talking about repaving it and the drivers all got together i don't know if it's rta or what have you they all got together and they wanted Atlanta Motor Speedway to stay like it is, and I had spoke with uh, with Mike 
with Mike Bagley. I had I spoke with Mike uh, that that Saturday, and we were talking about the possibility of rain coming in Sunday, and talking about the repaving of the track. And Bagman mentioned he said he said you know Tim it's it's going to depend on these these weepers I think he said if the weepers are bad it's just about they're probably going to have to go ahead and pave this because trying to get the track dry a lot of people don't understand just how long it takes to drive a mile and a half track especially when you got weepers and then also Woody you've got the weepers coming under the safer barrier which that is something that you know can be controlled but do you think we're just like Bagman said it's it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when we see a repave at the ATL well, certainly, because nothing is forever. I think they want to try and maintain that surface that provides them good racing as long as they can. I don't know that it was an organized effort by the drivers to go to the track and bang on the desk and say, hey, we, we don't want you to change this track. It was just several individual drivers lobbying hard for them not to do that simply because they like the way it races. And one of the things I thought was interesting that Ed Clark mentioned during that weekend was that every off season they put sealer down over all the cracks that they can find over all the places. And if you notice this past, this past time, we didn't really have much of a problem with weepers, even though there was a lot of rain, we didn't have much of a problem like we have seen uh, at Atlanta and, and certainly at other tracks in the past this time. Uh, I, I know everybody was kind of thinking that and me included, but it never really came up like we had uh, worried that it might, and I think they did an excellent job with sealing that track, and I think they want to maintain that style, that quality of racing where the, the surface just chews up the tires as long as they possibly can, and uh, we haven't heard much talk after the race about repaving. I think they did a really good job to get it dry, and as I say, they didn't have much of a problem with the weepers, if any, uh, during the, the race this year, and hopefully that will be the, the case going forward. I would definitely agree with you too, Woody. And Stephen, son, I know you're not feeling well. You got a couple questions you want to talk with Woody about before we bring Corey on? Yeah, I do. Um, this past weekend at, at Phoenix, uh, Kevin Harvick came out pretty strongly against the the usage of what I guess we're now assuming is social media photos and other things being passed around outside of NASCAR's capture control and being potentially used as, you know, a, a point of reference in order to, to strike penalties against the team. And Kyle Larson also came out and said that, you know, this is now the world that we live in. I, my question is, and I ask that, you know, with NASCAR, and the coverage control that they have at a racetrack these days from all the cameras they deploy, the television feeds, and everything else that's put in play throughout the weekend, is it dangerous to assume that NASCAR would even start looking at social media and making these judgment calls or even as a point of reference to go back to the raw footage or to care or that it's something that they've captured or you know, something that Fox may have or whoever the partner is may have captured? Well, I think they would tell you that that's not what they used to make their decision. I think they would tell you that they used the resources available to them and then took the car back to the R&D center. Keep in mind that when you're talking about that, you're talking about the, the window uh, depressing, going down under under pressure, under the, the air pressure of racing, uh, and and that was one issue. Another was the material used to attach the side skirts, and they used uh, an improper material uh, 
uh, that rule change came uh, mid to late February, if I'm not mistaken. And even Kevin Harvick said that one's on us. We'll take that because that was that was completely our fault. I think he believes that maybe there was some influence there on NASCAR from social media. We don't know whether it was or not. NASCAR would say no, that that's not the case. But it certainly is, to Kyle Larson's point, the world we live in right now. And look at the controversy that, that the PGA had when they started having fans call in and say, oh, well, this guy had this violation or that guy had that violation, and they would react to it almost in real time. I think that's the dangerous road to go down. NASCAR followed their process. Uh, they took it back to the R&D Center and then made their decision or at least made their call uh, based on what they felt uh, was the evidence that they had in front of them at that time. Uh, and I think both can be right. You know, we can all be influenced and see things on social media that, that make us think this way or that way. Uh, and Kyle Larson is also right in that that's kind of the world that we live in right now. But I think uh, you have to try and guard against letting that drive your decision-making and you have a process in place. And I think everybody would be better served if they stick to that, as NASCAR says that they did. Just keep it with Kevin Harvick here just for a second. You know, Kevin Harvick has really started to advocate uh, for some more grassroots racing and getting this grassroots racing organized to a point where um, it's seen better on a national level. We know that uh, some of the other partners like NBC, SN and NBC, they broadcast some of the K&N series events. And, uh, you know, Kevin said something about, you know, ISM Raceway no longer hosting the K&N Series. This weekend, he's going to go back to Kern County, and he's going to run a K&N Series race, which is obviously going to bring a lot of attention to that series. Moving forward, though, is this an opportunity or time that the shift, the paradigm shift into this is where NASCAR starts looking at some of these more home tracks and bringing them up to the national level and working with these tracks similar to what they've done with either, let's just say, the, the Drive for Diversity or the NASCAR Next program or any of the other programs to, to craft drivers, but now beginning to start looking at some of these tracks out here that are grassroots racing. Well, I think grassroots racing in and of itself, if you say that and then you start bringing it to the bigger tracks, aren't you then taking away from the smaller tracks that are grassroots racing themselves? If you, if you take all the grassroots tracks, so, uh, the short tracks, away and start putting them at places like Phoenix and, and you name the track, uh, the, the cup track or, or what have you, then aren't you, in effect, by trying to give it the attention that you say you want to give it, taking it away from the short track routes that you're trying to establish and help grow in the first place? I think that's a dangerous road to go down. I think that's a road that is, uh, is fraught with peril. I think that there is a very fine line there to making sure you achieve the right balance and do things in the correct way. I think guys like Kevin Harvick speaking out and guys uh, going to those races like he's going to do and drive that K&N race. And, and we've seen K&N races at Phoenix in the recent past. Just because they didn't have it this past weekend doesn't mean that it's, it's done forever or that we're never going to see that again. But I think you have to be careful about if you do that, you're taking it away from the very short tracks that you, you, you uh, are saying that you want to support, and you could be uh, opening yourself up to a, another sticky wicket by going down that road. I think the way to do it is to have guys like Kevin Harvick who, who will go and race some of those races. Kyle Busch does a lot of those, even though he routinely gets hammered for running a truck race. And let me just say as an aside to that, 
you know, people think, oh, he just loves to go down there and, and take candy from babies and beat up on these guys who are just trying to make their way. Well, no, he owns a truck team, and he's trying to build that up. And if he uh, is able to, through that truck team, give some of these younger guys an opportunity uh, at a bigger ride, at a bigger bigger chance at the at the spotlight, so to speak, isn't that in and of itself supporting the short track racing, the grassroots of racing, promoting these guys up through the ranks as they go? Also, what you have to consider when a guy like him does that, he can go to a sponsor and uh, they're not going to say, okay, well, yeah, I'll sign a multi-million dollar contract with you for an unknown kid behind the wheel. No, they'll say, okay, we'll sponsor X number of races, Kyle. If you drive four of them or if you drive three of them, we'll write the check. That's part of the equation too. So I think there's more than just one quick and easy answer to it. Don't forget that years ago, Winston, used to pour a bunch of money into the short track when it was the Winston Racing Series back in the day. And, and that, uh, since they're no longer a sponsor, that source of, of revenue is no longer available. So they have to find other ways to, to make that happen. So there's there are a lot of different issues to consider before you uh, say, well, if we just flip this switch, it'll, it'll all be, you know, sweetness and light and everything will be great. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think Tim is getting ready to bring on Corey LaJoy for us here in just a second, but you made a lot of valid points into this for sure. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I think has also been brought up is, is that, you know, how do these short tracks out here and these grassroots racing tracks begin to compete better on the level? It, it, does NASCAR have to go in and look at some of these events and then start to uh, – reduce the sanctioning fee down, or how did they build the sport up from the grassroots level? Well, I think they're supporting it right now. I mean, you have a series like the K&N East and West that you just mentioned. There's a modified tour as well. Um, a lot of these uh, short tracks are, are doing other things in combination with those events. I don't think that it's solely NASCAR's responsibility to promote the short tracks uh, in, a, in a way that, that would – preclude them from doing something else a lot of times if you say okay we're going to do x then y is the consequence and you may not like what that consequence is if if you have uh the nascar sanctioning at a track does then that preclude them from doing other events along the way or on the same night for example to make it more of a value ticket is is that something that that is contractually prohibited by sponsorship deals that they have there's there's just an awful lot of questions that have to be answered before you can you know, say that this or that is the particular answer of it. And I think one of the ways that they do support it, taking it to a lot of these shorter tracks that we mentioned, if you if you put it at a lot of the bigger tracks, then you're, I mean, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face, aren't you? Exactly, Woody Kane. I definitely agree. I agree with both y'all. But Woody, I know your, your, your time is short. And we've got, uh, we've got our next guest. We've got driver number 72 Chevrolet in the Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series for TriStar Motorsports, Mr. Corey Joy. Let's bring him in at the pit stop. Tim Despain, Stephen Wilson, and Woody King. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Thank you. 
Good evening, Corey. Thank you for taking time out to come on the show, bud. We really appreciate it. That was a uh, that was a hell of an intro song there, so I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome, Corey. We've got Woody Kane from MRN also with us, uh, and we've got Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com, just right outside of Richmond. So uh, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Woody go first, if that's okay, Corey, because uh, Woody's gonna jump off here shortly. And Woody, you go ahead and you just let me know when you get done. Thanks for calling in, bud. No, I yeah, just no wanted problem. to ask Corey. Uh, you know, these guys are talking about how we can fix the short tracks after what Kevin Harvick was saying this past weekend about he's going to run the K&N race at Kern County. And I, I think it's more complicated than just, you know, throwing money at it or having another guy race there or this or that or the other. It's got to be a lot of different things. And if you just bring these guys to the, the bigger tracks, then you're taking them away from the short tracks that you're trying to help in the first place. You, you've run a lot of these events and a lot of these different tracks. So how do you think that that, the, that situation can be helped? So I kind of disagree with, with that point there that if you, you know, if you take the K&N or even the Southwest tour, what it used to be to, to Phoenix, that you're actually taking it away from, you know, your, your state lines and your evergreens and places like that. I, I think that bringing the West or even the East to, to Martinsville and to Dover's like that's bringing that whole series up a whole nother notch and it's getting it closer to the NASCAR uh the NASCAR series, you know, just because you're at the same, same arenas and, and in turn, it can also, you know, can funnel back down where it, it gets car counts up. So when they do go to the, the smaller tracks, the hickories and the motor miles and, you know, on down the list, it's going to raise some more money and, and it's going to get some more people going to the racetrack just by going to uh, the cup affiliated racetracks. Now, you know, the guys that are working on those late models of the Canon cars or, you know, four cylinders, whatever the case may be, if they get the chance to go, you know, if they get a chance to go to a track where they're watching their heroes on TV every Sunday go, you know, that that's their Daytona 500, right? Like, that's that's their Super Bowl. And, and to, oh, yeah, I, I, don't, like, I don't disagree with that at all. So I just mean more than a, more than a couple of times. Well, well, right now it's zero. So we need to get it back to at least yeah. once, you know, and get, and you know, like Kevin was obviously aggravated at the track for not bringing the Cannon West cars back because that's that's near and dear to his heart just because he grew up racing out there with and the Copper Classic you mentioned as well with with the midgets and sprint cars uh, and and unfortunately you just see more and more of that go away because they can't the tracks can't advertise enough to get fans in the stands but on the flip side it hurts it hurts racing as well so it's almost uh, it's almost six and one half dozen the other the track needs to right. Like like Smoke said, we can drop 172 million dollars into making this place look cool so the Foo Fighters can come play, you know, on their tour. But we can't get we can't get a K&N race, K&N race because it costs too much money. I think that's uh, I think that is not a valid point if you're uh, on the board reading of the of the racetrack. If you ask me. Go ahead, Woody. No, I'm I'm. You guys talk to Corey. He's your guest, not mine. Well, I, I, well, I, I don't. I only have about thirty-three laps of racing action this year to talk about on the Cup side, so I'd much rather talk about this short track stuff, to be honest with you. <laughs> Woody, I was going to let you well, ask I'll, Corey. I'll, I'll, I'll throw one out there for you, uh, Corey. You know, this weekend is the opener for the Modified Series, and they're going to go to Myrtle Beach. 
when you go out there and look at the promotional level of this, there almost is none. So how how do these tracks out there like Myrtle Beach to have such a a draw with the the, the modifieds just don't promote these things at all? How do, how do those things get fixed? Uh, I think the racetracks don't utilize social media enough or advertise on social media. Um, <clears throat> that's a big that's a big 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 part of advertising nowadays and anything. And I don't think that the racetracks have really embraced that to to widespread uh, and get people to the racetracks. Also, I don't think the racetracks do a good enough job of playing off of the cup schedule. So, you know, when when sometimes you see it where, like, the Berlin 251, for example, is the Monday after the cup race, right, in Michigan. So uh, Kyle will go run it. Eric Jones will go run it. I'm going to try to go run it this year. You know there needs some there needs to be more events to where you know it's it's obviously tough for the short track community to do a weekday race. I understand that, but I, I think that for for four or five events a year that has a good purse, it's worth doing that on the in the same general area as a cup race just to get some people excited, get the you know get the souvenir trailers up to the racetrack, get some get some buzz generated there just to, to help short track as a whole. Um, but to your point about to try to get butts in the seats, it's hard. Um, you know, I think that starting with social media would be a a good start. Um, uh, but it's you know it's hard to sell sponsorship for anything, whether you work for a racetrack or a race team or or anything nowadays. But um, you know, I think that the thankfully for Wayland Engineering, if it wasn't for those guys, the modified series would probably be under uh, right now. So those guys would single-handedly kept the modified series afloat and uh you know thankfully for phil Kurz, he's passionate about it and sonny whalen uh you know we need more guys like that that are passionate about the sport to keep uh you know if we have the saturday night late model shows where we can get all the sanctioned bodies to, to adapt the same rules so you can take a you can excuse me you can take a late model stock car you know, in, in Southern Florida and go race it in Maine and go race it, you know, somewhere in Iowa. Uh, I think there's a big disconnect there as well between two barrel carburetor stuff, four barrel carburetor stuff. Um, and, and, and the shows are too long, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. you could uh, make those comments. I mean, those, uh, those comparisons out there and you're right. There is a lot of disconnect sometimes in these series and the rules and, you go from track to track, even sometimes in the same state, and they're just two totally different set of rules for the same series. But, you know, up here in Virginia, we, we do the Triple Crown every year where it's three races, late models, and there's a $10,000 purse added on top of the winnings for that, uh, whoever comes on top. And, you know, one of them is a place like Martinsville, where this year they decided to run the race at nighttime. Uh, 300 laps, it took a little bit longer than I think that they would probably like it to see. But when you start looking at events like that, can states and tracks start working together more, better, working together better to create the generation of the hype, to bring car cows in, and, and just not work against one another as hard as they do today? Well, I think that's just common sense. You know, if you've got two races paying paying you know, more than their average purse within, an, you know, hour or two hours of each other, they, they obviously should be doing it on different weekends. Um, 
but sometimes uh, common sense doesn't really come into play sometimes. So um, <clears throat> I think that just obviously there's less marketing dollars and dollars swirling around our sport as well as all the other sports equally, but it's kind of forced everybody to trim the fat and, and be a little more conscious about, you know, when they plan events and how they do it and how long they do it. Uh, so I don't think that you ha- you see as many of those problems as you used to. Um, now, I mean, I, I think that the short track is, is trending up. Uh, all short track, uh, I feel like, is, is trending up, but not maybe not as fast as dirt because dirt has a ton of traction right now where there's midgets or dirt late models. Uh, and I think that uh, the, the asphalt late model stuff, late model stocks or supers, uh, the cost is still a little bit too high and the shows are too long uh, to really get the car count up where it needs to be. Um, but that, like, like, like I said, that's, that's a conversation for another day. But I think in general, the short track racing is trending up, but Kevin Harvick's point this weekend, we need to figure out how to get the disconnect from the, from the cup series or all the series you see on TV uh, and the, and the guys that, all the, the, our grassroots fans that go, you know, to the Hickories and to the East Bays and, you know, fill in the blank short track where those guys are actually passionate about the sport. And um, we need to close that gap quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Uh, just want to let y'all know Woody Kane had to go. He, he had some stuff he had to take care of. He sent me a text and uh, he said lost you, but then he texted me back supper's ready. So undoubtedly he was getting hungry. But anyway, just <laughs> just want to throw that out there, Corey. And um, uh, Corey, just to add to what you were talking about, what you and Stephen were just talking about, uh, the uh, car count and in the Cup Series, uh, it's it's down. You know, we had I don't remember how many it was at Daytona when. Whenever you run down there, but speaking about Daytona, that's probably another question I want to ask you also. But how do we get the car count up, Corey? I mean, which I know the economy's coming back. Uh, you and uh, Cole, y'all are splitting a ride. That's a good deal. I mean, do you think we might need to come to driver splitting rides to get the sponsors? Or I'm just throwing that out there, Corey, to sort of get your uh, take on it. Well, me and me and Cole split because that was kind of the best option for me over the winter. Uh, for equipment, you know, versus how much funding and sponsorship I had, and, mm-hmm. and what he had, yeah, you know, he he wanted to do a partial schedule and move back to California, and, and or you know whatever he wanted to do, and uh, it just kind of worked out for me. Um, but to the car count point, uh, the whole charter system is a crock, if you ask me. But you know that's eventually when they first announced it, you know, they, their perfect plan is to have, you know, call it eight owners of, you know, of four, four cars. And that's all they have to deal with. And 36 cars at the racetrack. They don't want, it doesn't, it doesn't pay enough to, for an open car to come to wherever Atlanta, Phoenix, fill in the blank. So, I don't know. The, the whole charter system's broken, and it, it keeps the rich rich and the poor poor. That's unfortunately uh, how it's designed. Yeah, exactly, Corey. You know, so, you bring now, that up too. You're, no, you're just not. You're not going to get the car down until the charter deals. Uh, until the charter deal goes away, and you actually get um, incremental pay from first to fortieth. 
Yeah. And Corey, I want to talk about that too. Also, Steve and I, we have we've been talking about this charter thing since everything come out. And uh, exactly, how do uh, how does NASCAR or the charter owner or whoever how do they know exactly how much that charter is worth if somebody wants to sell it? How do how do they go about that, Corey? Do you have any idea? Uh, yeah, it's just a combination of uh, where the thing finishing points the previous year. Uh, because then the then the historic the historical money's different, so there's three three different uh, versions I guess of of how you get your money in in a in the purse check. Now you get TV money, um, you get the NASCAR money, and then you get the historical money. So um, I, I guess that now I don't really know what the what the I mean the going price of a a charter somewhere between. Two eight and three five, uh, depending on the historical money on back end, how it's ran, you know, over the previous couple of years. Um, and I don't know all the ins and outs, so I'm not as well read on it as I probably should be. But I know that uh, it is substantially less if you show up with an open car. You know, in general, uh, an open car is going to make between thirty and fifty grand um, on average. And a charged car is going to make between 90 and 110, you know, for, for guys, you know, between 30th and, and the back of the field. So, um, and by the time you travel and get tires at 25 bucks, hundred bucks a pop, you know, and, and travel with all your guys there, all of a sudden now you're not making any money to go to the racetrack. You're just trying to get there and, and get back home. So that's why you don't see those, open cars as much um, unless it's, you know, they can do it fairly cheap, don't buy tires, do it on a shoestring budget, which kind of just fills the field. So if if only 36 cars are getting the, the bulk of the money, then why would anybody else show up? Exactly. And Corey, my final question, I know your uh, time is limited and I want to thank Leanne for, you know, getting you on. I, can you talk a little about, maybe let our listeners know exactly I was going to go here a while ago about splitting, about drivers splitting a ride. Uh, you know, the you got the, I'm going to go ahead and give you a shout out. You got the, the joy seats that are built to conform to each individual. And, you know, you and you're a little bit taller than, uh, than Coley. Uh, can you let everybody know exactly what, what goes into changing a car as far as you getting in it, your seat, as far as your driver set up and style versus you and uh, Coley? Well, we just uh, we end up taped the two by fours we put on the, the gas pedals for, for coals, uh, and then we take the phone book out of the seat, and then we're good to go. Yeah, I done. No, uh, I was I, I was over I'm, in Atlanta. Got, uh, yeah, you know, Cole's, uh Cole's got his he's got his three or four carbon seats that you know they they have their special rails that go that bolt in the cars, and and then obviously we know we know. Don't you know? We our schedules are already set, so by the time they get the cars prepped and and figure out which cars going where, they know which uh, seat rails to bolt in the car, whether they're my coals. I've got my four or five seats that uh, you know I'm going to use for the rest of the year, and he's got his. So whenever my number's called, they'll throw mine in there. Whenever his called, they'll throw his little little seat in there, and then he's got his brake and gas pedal measurements and stuff like that. They'll get it all fixed up for him. So we have. We haven't had any trouble yet. 
and you say whenever your number comes up again, when is your number coming up again, Corey? Where are you going to race uh, again? So my, my, my next go is not until Bristol. So I got uh, I got four weekends off, which actually lets, lets me have a little bit of fun with my super late model. I'm going down to South, South Alabama Speedway this weekend uh, with my super late to go get a, try to go get me a Rattler. Uh, and then a week after that, there's a there's a race Myrtle Beach, and then after after Easter, there's a race in Nashville. So I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to dust the old late model off and take it take it out there and see what we can do and do my part in trying to help close that gap between the, the big guys and the and the grassroots fans. That sounds good, Corey. And again, thank you again for taking time to come on the show and. Uh, as we do before we let you get out of here, like Steve and I always do, every driver we have on, whoever we have on, we'll let you thank your sponsors, whoever you want to thank, crew chief, owners, LaJoy Seats, whatever you want to throw out there, Corey, you throw it out there where everybody can hear it. Uh, well, uh, Sluter Systems this year is our biggest partner, and they've been uh, they've had the short end of the stick the last two weeks because, like I said, they got 33 laps worth of competition between the two races they've been on the car, so we're going to try to put together some strong runs towards the end of the year for them. And um, I guess I'm going to have to make me a Twitter video and talk about how I don't have any sponsors like Matt did, but try to round up some more. Cause, uh, it, it worked for him, but I've, uh, I haven't had to, luckily I haven't had to do that yet, but I would, I would rather not, I would rather not have to, but, um, uh, but we've got, we've got a, several i mean tristar motorsports has been great uh to this point i know that they want they definitely don't want all the circumstances to happen like they have so far for me this year so they're working on it and it'll get better um and we're gonna keep trying to find sponsors and keep going to the racetrack and do the best job we can do each and every week and and cole's helping me out a lot and i've learned some stuff from him and he's learned some stuff from me so it's been good Cordette, sounds good. And again, thank you for taking time to come to come on the show tonight. Uh, tell Leanne we said thank you. Good luck in the rest of the season. And I think I think my next track is going to be Talladega. I don't think I'm going anywhere else. I know Stephen's going to Richmond, so uh, Stephen will probably run into you in Richmond or wherever you're going to be, and I'll be in Talladega. And again, Cord, thank you very much. Good luck on the rest of the season, and be safe, bud. And hope you get that rattler down here in South Alabama. That'd be fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully so. We'll see. Have a good, have a good week. All right. Thanks, Corey. Yep. All right, folks. That was driver number seventy-two Chevrolet there for Tri for TriStar Motorsports, Mr. Corey LaJoy. Corey's uh, he's got the LaJoy seat. You know he's got to have a LaJoy seat, uh, Stephen. If he didn't have a LaJoy seat, he'd be in a ton of trouble, would he? I'm sure he would. Uh, they make <laughs> some really good stuff, so. You know, a lot of these drivers and Randy LaJoy have put together a pretty good system over there. That's for sure. Yeah, they sure have, Steve. And I want to thank you again for coming on. I know you're under the weather. You did really awesome. I want to thank uh, Leanne again from uh, TriStar for getting uh, Corey on there. I want to thank Woody Kane from MRN Radio, the voice of NASCAR, coming on and staying. And like I said, he texted me. He, he said lost you, but I think. And then he sent me back. Supper was ready, so I think he heard the he heard the dinner bell. But again, a big a uh, big shout out to Woody Kane and everybody there at MRN Radio for everything that that they do for the sport. And Stephen, I don't have everything up for the schedules. I do have up. This is uh, courtesy of MRN. Uh, the Auto Club uh, 400 at Auto Club Speedway will be on MRN 
at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. Uh, Fox has your TV coverage also, and also Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. And I don't have everything else up, Stephen, and I don't want to just put, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, I want to thank you again. Yeah, I got everything. Okay, go ahead. I was going to try to help you out, but I'll sit back. Tell it, cuz. Tell it. <laughs> okay. I'll mm-hmm. do what I can. Um, all times are Eastern time. Uh, Friday, Model Club Speedway. Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. Uh, that'll come up at 7.15 p.m. Saturday, uh, 1.35 p.m. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying. And at 5 o'clock p.m., the NASCAR Xfinity Series Auto Club, uh, the, the Auto, from Auto Club Speedway, um, Xfinity Series 300 laps. I'm uh, sorry, 150 laps, 300 miles. Sorry, I'm trying to read a couple things. And then on Sunday, the Auto Club 400, 3.30 Eastern Time, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Racing 200 laps, 400 miles around the uh, two-mile oval out there in Fontana, California. That sounds good, Stephen. And thank you again for everything that you do for Suzanne and I. Thank you again for everything you do for uh, SpeedwayDigest.com. Let everybody know. I just throw that out there. You can follow Stephen. I'll go ahead and take care of Stephen because I know you are under the weather. You can follow Stephen Wilson on Twitter at SpeedwayDigest.com. Uh, also, his website, uh, SpeedwayDigest.com. You can follow me, uh, Tim Spain, on Facebook, uh, at the Pit Stop Radio on Twitter, and my website that Stephen hosts for me, uh, PitStopRadio.net. And thank everybody for tuning in again tonight. We will be live uh, again next Tuesday night. Uh, Stephen has uh, Miss Shannon Spate uh, from Fox Sports will be on with us, and it's just going to be a uh, it's going to be an interview deal, so there'll be no call-in questions to her. But, Stephen, tell AM, the boys, we said hello. And everybody be safe this weekend in Fontana. You get you get the feeling better, bud, and I'll talk at you next Tuesday, man. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. See you, Stephen. Stephen Wilson at SpeedwayDigest.com. We're going to sign off live from Talladega, Alabama. Again, I'm Tim Spain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Wilson, talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs>